It's such good shit. So where are we starting? At the beginning. Okay. So they used to do wrestling for real, but what happened is people would (laughs) hurt each other. And so when you were hurt, you couldn't make money. So it was like, well, hey, let's just take it easy on each other and we'll we'll work it. That was in quotes. Is that too far back or? And, no, and then what? So then they started working each other. And then what? And then Vince McMahon uh, said it wasn't real to get out of having to pay the athletic commission <laughs> or this trial or something. And then, wow, you really skipped ahead there. And then Brock Lesnar accepted uh, the challenge to be Cody Rhodes' tag team partner, but then turned on him on live TV and beat him and up. And he beat him. Yeah. And he beat him. And he beat for For a few minutes, but not several, just a few. No, did you guys see that video of Brian Alvarez talking about it? And he literally yeah. sits there for like four minutes, and he beat him. And he beat him. And then he walked up the ramp. And then he came back and he beat him and he beat him. Does, did Brian Alvarez think he was cutting a promo? Cause like it wasn't that long of a beat down. <laughs> hey, remember when Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer ruined CM Punk coming back for us and also gave, uh, uh, what's his name? Okada and, uh, Kenny Omega, like six and a half stars at the Tokyo Dome <laughs> yeah. three different times. Yeah. Those guys are a fucking joke, huh? I don't understand if you've got a star rating, how do you exceed the stars? It's because it's because they work Meltzer. They're friends with Meltzer. Those are my buddies. Let me give them six and a half stars. But to me, the moment you decide that a match is worthy of going above the five, you open the floodgates now. So you have to go re-rate everything, right? Because you can't leave Stone Cold Bret Hart at a five then, because that's the greatest wrestling match ever. Right, so does so that, that become one a 5.5? Five five yeah. yeah, and now, yeah, you, if you've got a scale, you have to keep your scale, which ours is great. It's such good shit or the drizzling shit. So are we going to react to the star ratings from WrestleMania weekend, or do we not care? <sighs> we could hit a couple I read of them. high they notes seem- or... They seemed fair. They seemed pretty accurate to what we yeah, I really I agreed with them for the first time in a while. I felt like they were all pretty good. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have given five stars to the Sami Zayn match, and I wouldn't have given four and a half or four and three quarters to the Cody match. Like I no, felt that's I would have given uh, a four to the Cody match and four and three quarters to the Sammy match. Yeah, I would have put Sammy at the same level as the Charlotte Rhea match. Yeah, to me, the Sammy those were both a step down not from, from the triple threat. But it was yeah, great the only match. five star match was a triple threat. Yeah, yes. five star matches should be reserved for all time matches. Like, let's be realistic. We're just not going to think about the Sami Zayn tag match in three years. I don't think. Maybe we it will. Was, I mean, it was fantastic. It's a right. great tag match. But it's match. not the best it's match Sami's ever had, even. It's definitely a match I would go back and rewatch. But you're right. His match with Shinsuke Nakamura is better. God damn, yeah. Um, <laughs> his match with Cesaro is better. That, I, for whatever He's reason, had a lot of non-five-star <laughs> matches that are better but i don't know i was having a really hard time remembering cesaro's wwe name 
So I was like, not, <laughs> wow. not ready to call him Claudio. So uh, before we start the show, uh, I, uh, I texted you all just a little bit ago, and I didn't give all, all the uh, spoilers. Uh, I said that I just bought the dumbest fucking wrestling thing that I've ever purchased. Y'all ready to hear what it is? Was it WWE 2K23? I bought that a month ago. And it's a good game, okay? Oh, wow. well, I finally finished the Cena Showcase uh, a few days ago. Pretty solid. Some weird stuff, but pretty solid. Um, okay, so I was going down this rabbit hole, and uh, I ended up in WWE Auction, which I don't know if you guys are aware of. It's an offshoot of Shop Zone. I'm sorry, we don't call it the Shop Zone anymore. For the old timers, you remember what the WWE Shop Zone was. Um but anyway, the auction site, they just put up a bunch of, usually it's autographed stuff and, and limited edition merchandise. And it's, and it's like eBay. It's, you bid on it. And whatever. And as I was on there just poking around, and I saw something that caught my eye. There was a plaque. So you guys can see behind. I've got my WrestleMania Triple H one back there, signed by Triple H with the piece of the ring mat from that WrestleMania. So they had one of those with a piece of the ring mat and it was expiring in like 30 minutes and the bids were only up to $28. And I was like, Hmm. And I looked at it and I realized I'm in it. I'm in the crowd in this one. <laughs> it was from stand and deliver last year. Gunter versus LA Knight. <laughs> And in the corner, there's me holding my phone up, taking a picture. So I said, all right. So I bid the next bid up, which was like $31. That was the minimum I could do. And then I won. Yeah. So um, so I have this plaque of Gunter versus LA Knight that has a picture of Honestly, me. Honestly, you couldn't have picked two of the more mage wrestlers. Like, if you want to talk about such good shit, I think it's an excellent purchase. That'll be worthwhile pretty soon when they're both megastars. I thought about that. Um, it is also numbered one of 250, because they did 250 numbered. This one is numbered one. God, so, they sold 250 of these? I'd, they still have them on .com. You can still buy them. Man. Just not numbered one. Wait, should we go get number two and three? I don't know what you, I don't know if you can choose your numbers. I'm assuming they go in order, and this is the well, first one they were able to get someone to pick up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is the first one. I think they just set aside that number until. Should we send the shit gang out there to to secure all of these? Everybody, just go buy one and see which numbers you yeah. get. We'll just we'll see if we can get as many of the 250 as possible. Andrew, what are you seeing? What are your sources so say about As this? soon as Matt brought this up, I went to the website and I really thought that where he was going with this is the first thing that came up when I looked at this. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so the first thing, the ones that end tonight, it, it's already gone now because it just finished up, but it was one of 250 patch from the Damian Priest versus the Miz match that happened at Backlash during the COVID <laughs> pandemic where they did the zombie thing. And the bid was only up to $15. So I was like, wow. did Matt get that one? 
That would have been such good shit. Now I am seeing this is a really interesting uh, situation. There's a they got ones for all the WrestleMania matches, and none of the mm-hmm. vids are all that high yet. So I I didn't know about this. You could WrestleMania main event is the only one that's over a hundred right now. Well, and so the weird thing is, you can go to to the regular shop and get the ones from this year's Mania for like sixty bucks. But I think these are like specifically Whoa. numbered one. These are the number one ones of all of them. What I'm confused by is they have all the WrestleManias, but then they have mm-hmm. like SmackDowns from like five years ago. And then also like yeah. John Cena and Roman Reigns, the stare down at Money in the Bank that we were at. Yeah, that one's up on here. And it's like, yeah, it's weird. Why haven't you sold this yet? <laughs> like, how do you still are you positive? It's the same canvas. Or they, they hold back signed? on it. None of, not all of them are signed. Most of these are not. Most of these are now just, it's just a piece of the canvas. See, I feel like if it's not signed, what's the point? I think the like, canvas is I, pretty I need, cool. I need some sort of authentication on there. You have the Dual canvas. Factor. Oh. Dual factor. I mean, I've, my my face is on it. On the the bid for yeah, yours is duly authenticated. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> the um, limited edition one of the... Apparently they cut the Gunter, the triple threat match canvas into 390 pieces. The bid's only up to $30 right now. That's pretty cool. That would be a match worth getting it for, like the best WrestleMania match in like all 10 the years. ones for this year's Mania. They did three ninety of them all. Um, also, did you see that Cody Rhodes's suit is on there? What the fuck? You can buy it's his three piece suit, and they separated the three so you can get the coat, the the vest, the pants. All right, is it time for my weekly Cody complaint yet? Sure. Can that be a segment, the Cody complaint? Yeah, the Cody complaint. Yes. Cody's complaint corner. Oh, um, God. So baby faces will do this a lot where they walk out, and if the crowd is really showering them with love and admiration, they'll kind of take it in for a minute before they get started talking or doing whatever their segment is. Cody does it every single time he comes out, which is fine because he is quite over. The problem is... Like I noticed last week on Raw, he's sitting there and he's kind of taking in the crowd and they're not really doing the thing where they do the big pop when he stops. Like it looks like he's going to start talking and he stops and looks around again and everyone starts cheering louder. Didn't really happen. It felt very pointless. I don't know if you guys are seeing this. It felt like it took him 30 seconds to start talking and it was not silent, but not, it was pretty quiet. It's like, what are we doing, man? He's really enjoying being a babyface. Like you can tell, it really strokes his ego. Uh so we're gonna be at Raw in about two, three weeks. I'm going to inspect this situation and see if he does it, and I'll let you know if it's more just the TV or if the crowd felt pretty loud in the venue. Well, he's the king of just looking around. <laughs> like that—that that is his thing. Is like I'm gonna look around. Sammy does it a little bit too. Like a lot of the baby faces do it, but man, he really does it. Guys, You're right. I mean, he comes out and he does like the before he cuts his promo, he it's like he just won the WrestleMania main event every time he comes out. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about? Like, Literally you nothing. Go <laughs> get off my TV. Be hurt for longer. You got like murdered last week. <laughs> Go be in the mid card of AEW again, bro. Wow. 
go wrestle Arn Anderson's son. Wow. I'm I'm out on the Cody thing. I'm so glad they didn't pull the trigger. Like it took me all of I was disappointed the night of and it's it took basically like three took days. Me yeah. And I was like, yeah, that was a good call. Uh hey, just circling back to the uh the plaques real quick. Um you can get a Madcap Moss WrestleMania backlash signed plaque. Uh the current bid is six dollars. WrestleMania backlash but how, how many people you think are getting tricked with that one it's like oh i got a wrestlemania plaque oh wait a minute well actually that's what happened hey. i clicked on categories and i picked wrestlemania and this came up <laughs> so not surprising so should we start the show or nah it's funny that i remember they were gonna push him and then he didn't do anything wrong but they stopped pushing him anyways yeah, that yeah, happened. he was getting a little bit of a, a thing, and then what they happened? didn't even give him enough chance to really gain momentum. Like he was getting babyface reactions, but like you need time, and they were like, "Yeah, fuck it, it's not working." <laughs> they just <laughs> buried him again. Christ. Somewhere backstage, Bruce Pritchard's like, "Ah, that damn bell had to ring." And it's like he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> it's like, well, you didn't have a fucking five-star match with I don't, I don't know it's just literally a, a I don't know a jobber I guess I don't know who look you fighting. put Madcap Moss in the Tokyo Dome with some Asian dude no none of us have ever heard of he's getting six stars <laughs> let me tell you <laughs> oh one more thing about the uh the Wrestlemania I I know we've done quite a bit of Wrestlemania coverage the last couple weeks I thought the Charlotte Rhea Ripley match was great um, people need to cool it on calling it the greatest women's wrestling match of all time and the greatest women's match in WWE and all this stuff. It's like, guys, calm down. It was a fine match. It's not even close to the greatest women's match. Did we ever draft our, our best women's matches? We did we do that. Did. Yes. Yeah, so go check the archives, guys, and you'll see the, the actual greatest women's wrestling matches. Yeah, I think it would have it would be up there. I think it's it would have made there. it would have made the, it, it in the draft. It's not even it the best women's the match in the last calendar year. That would be Becky and Bianca. It's up there. I mean, it is I up would, there, but it's not the greatest of all time. If we were drafting again, what did we end up with? Like twelve or fifteen yeah, in the draft? I think 10. it would have been there. It's not. It would have been five. in there. I I don't know if it's top five. Definitely top ten. But it is kind of a crazy statement to make. A lot of people are throwing they, it around. They, this happens every year. Actually, this just happens any time there's a big show with a good match. People say that, and then you got to give it about six months, and then it sort of subsides, and you find out where the real rating well, should just, be for you that. you got people like, you know, Jim Cornette saying that, right? Or, uh, like, a, People people like their clicks, and so right now, while it's popular, they want to be like, I said the best thing about that, yeah. so that everybody shares their clip around. But, you know, once the clout dies down for that, you, you kind of see where people really feel. That's fair. Uh, speaking of clout, can we talk about MJF's uh, whole segment last week? Uh, I didn't get to see it. What uh, what happened? Well, he got the key to Long Island. 
I don't know if you guys know about this. I'm pretty positive that happened uh, this past week. I might be. It might have been a couple weeks ago. I think unironically, too. Like, I don't think it's a work. Like, I think he actually got the key to Long Island from the mayor. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, MJF is basically full on baby face in in New York now. Um, He doesn't do anything different. They just cheer him for it. Yeah, let me let me read this article to you. So this posted April 4th, uh, 2023. AEW world champion receives key to Oyster Bay, which is on Long Island. And then he praised it. He did a whole promo about it. I don't know if you guys have seen the promo. It's actually fantastic. He tells a story about a particular teacher uh, that taught him English. Um, I think he was. I think in the promo, he said he was in like middle school or something. And she was a real bitch to him. Uh, it's a it's a fantastic segment. The story is fantastic. He calls the teacher a bitch. Um, it's awesome. He gets the whole crowd to chant that she sucks and they boo her. And then he has the key to Long Island. I mean, he's producing some of the best TV week in and week out right now. This this is like when, you know, CM Punk was going on the tear and just doing all the best promos over and over again in 2011. Yeah, MJF is... Uh... I think he's still got another gear to hit, but he is, you know, kind of brushing elbows with uh, some of the top guys right now in, in the business. You you would think by now that this shtick would get old, and it really hasn't. Every time I see him, I'm just like, this is so good. And I, I think that that just speaks to AEW's ability not to overexpose anybody, even though he's on TV every week now. They just do a really good job of making sure that everything he does is creative. And if they don't have something actually unique or creative for him to do, he doesn't cut the same promo. He doesn't just do the same thing. He does his his he does his shtick and he has that aggressive overarching personality, but he makes sure that he does it uniquely. He doesn't come out and say, what do you want to talk about when he gets to the (laughs) fucking ring? You know what I mean? It helps keep things fresh, even though he is on TV every week. And so it makes you feel like, yeah, this guy's a star and this isn't getting old. He doesn't have to change a thing, despite having done it for now, like four years, three years. He's definitely changed up a little bit in the sense that now he's kind of. I think the belt has actually helped him quite a bit being able to like say, I'm the man, I'm the best. I can prove it. I beat Brian Danielson for an hour, you know, like Mm -hmm. those things matter, which is why it would be so impactful if he was able to beat CM Punk, right? And like get another one of those kind of major wins. I think that's that's where we're gonna start to see some issues with MJF is that there's just nobody for him to face. Um so I he'll make the joke a lot of times on TV where it's like, you know, the difference between, you know, guy a and me is i'm an actual star and it's like yeah that's kind of the problem is he's the only actual star they have uh so it's it's hard it's going to be hard for him to grow more as a character without having like a natural foil so 
you know, I don't know where that's going to come from. I don't think it's going to be Sling Blade Jay White. And they need to do that soon. If they're going to build one of their stars, that has to start happening immediately. Um, I guess that kind of transitions into another thing that we wanted to touch on, which is AW announced that they're going to be running Wembley in August. Um, Matt, do you know, I, I don't have my sources up. How does that conflict with SummerSlam? SummerSlam is August 5th. Okay, so they're not even close. That, that That's a good move on them to make sure they separated <laughs> those. Now, granted, SummerSlam's not happening in fucking London, so it wouldn't make a difference in terms of ticket sales. But Right. Here's the thing. I, I've i seen a lot of people complaining that, oh, there's no way they're going to sell out Wembley. Bro, number one, their goal is probably not to sell out well, Wembley. Well, they didn't. WWE didn't even sell out Wembley. No. But they're, I don't the think they're going to have a critical capacity either. I think that's maybe no, the more. But the I, here's the thing. If they fill 20,000 in there, it'll be fine. It's enough. If they can get 40,000 in there, great. You know, Meltzer said that reported that the rent on the place was. What was it? It was either 40,000 or 400,000. Must have been 40,000 for the night. They'll easily make their money. Like, it's not a big deal. I well, there's going to be a significant cost to actually producing an event in a building like that outside of just the rent, right? Sure. But if they can get 20000 in there, they'll be fine. Now, on TV, it may, it, it may not look as filled as, you know, SummerSlam 92. But here's the other thing. This will be the first time they go to Europe. The fans there, I'm assuming, are fairly hungry for AEW to come, finally. So, here you go. I mean, if I was a wrestling fan in the UK, I would be going to the show. Sure. For sure. I would find a way to do that. It's pretty historic. Everything you said is true, Matt. I think what you need to consider is that the UK is uh, an eighth of the size of the United States. And AEW has under a million viewers in the United States. So, I mean, you take an eighth of that and it's like, I mean, even if all their fans show up, they could all fit in the fucking building. But here's the thing. Europe is a much smaller physical landmass than the United States. So you'll have fans coming from other countries outside of the UK. You'll have fans coming from there France, from Germany. There is definitely going to be support for this. I just don't know why they needed to book a stadium. Yeah, that's a bit confusing. I'm wondering if the price was right. And it was just like, look, we can pay X amount to be in standard arena. Or we can pay a little bit, you know, so much more and be in Wembley. And it'll just be a bigger thing. And we know we can make the money work. I don't want to be conspiracy theorists here, but the only way this makes sense is if you're advertising CM Punk versus MJF for the next four months, right? That was something I was going to bring up soon. Certain people have said, yeah, they didn't put him on the poster yet, but of course you're not going to put him on the poster yet because we haven't revealed that he's back yet. So here's an interesting take. Do you do MJF CM Punk or do you do Kenny Omega CM Punk? Like, do you do Punk versus the Elite? Is that where the money is? Or is the money, let's get MJF like a, you know, the biggest star we can? 
I do don't you take your two biggest that. stars and put them on the marquee, or do you take your hottest angle and put it on the marquee? I think it's Punk and the Elite for the Punk's return. I think you save which would Punk, need to be MJF. before this, right? MJF Punk would need to be at Wembley. Like you need Punk to come back, you know, build some momentum, get some viewers back on the product because they lost about a hundred thousand viewers a week when Punk left. I mean, not all when Punk left, but from the peak of when he debuted to now, it's, you know. I mean, maybe what you do is Punk comes back prior, beats MJF for the belt, takes the belt as the champ against Omega in the UK. I don't, I feel like MJF. I'm not touching that belt off MJF for, I mean... Until he leaves the company, basically. (laughs) I think the money is in MJF and CM Punk. Now, the Elite is a good idea. I don't know if that's too volatile. But also, Double or Nothing is in like six weeks, seven weeks. I don't, I mean, that's enough time. But CM Punk would have to come back like soon to build that match as what it should be, which should be a big fucking deal. I mean, you you question the volatility of it. It sounds like Punk and Omega kind of hashed it out. And a lot of the reports that have come out lately is that Omega actually was trying to play Peacemaker and it wasn't like an escalator in the situation. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's, you know, those that's the rumor. Uh, crazy conspiracy. If you're Tony Khan, Matt, how much money are you giving to Goldberg to be on this show? Five million. Yeah, I think that's a no brainer, right? That was the number I was going to say. It's not out of the realm of possibility. Like he's going to get you an extra 10,000, 20,000 pay-per-view buys, something like that. (sighs) I don't know about 20,000. I think we're buying it no matter what. But if you're a little bit less serious than we are, right? But not a casual fan. But if you're a WWE fan. You're probably buying the Bill Goldberg pay-per-view. But the question is, does Goldberg go? Or is he loyal enough to WWE? Right? Because he's been very forthright that this last run, that he's super thankful that they brought him back and let him fix his legacy after his first WWE run. Does he go to AEW, even if it's just a one-off or for a very short run, does he turn his, even though his contract is over, does he turn on WWE and go to AEW? Because that's a black mark if you do one of those. I feel like as AEW is the spiritual successor to WCW, there is sort of a, you know, seeing Tony Schiavone call a Goldberg match again. I, on TNT? Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. For those of us of a certain age, yeah. there's appeal there. Yeah, I agree with Alec 100%. I was going to say yes, without a doubt, he would do that. Uh, the only So the two reasons Alec just said, and then my third reason is that he said he wanted a retirement match, and they didn't give him one. So what better way for him to have a retirement match than at a huge stadium show that's basically the spiritual successor to WCW in a match called by Tony Schiavone? It's about as much of classic Goldberg feel that we could get at so this the question point is who does he, he face retires. that's what doesn't so i, I actually don't think i think if you're doing goldberg it's a two-parter i think you do the wimley show 
and Goldberg faces, I don't know, Jericho or Big Show. One of your bigger, no. Nah. <laughs> but I mean, if I, you want WCW, I, I think Goldberg does one match at Wembley where it's like a this is the Goldberg showcase. And then I think if you're branching out internationally, you're AEW, you try to get Goldberg and MJF for Israel. Goldberg wow. said that he wants to do an Israel retirement match. Did he really? Yeah, he he said that before. Um, if you're going to do that, it's got to be MJF. Yeah. Like, so, and, and if you're Goldberg, and Goldberg really has does. made a big deal about wanting to be an athlete uh, to represent for Jewish kids, and mm-hmm. you know, I, so I could see him being willing to lose his retirement match in that circumstance too to MJF. Um, Can we have that match and have Raven as the special referee? All Jew all the time. I mean, if it yeah, but then who better. comes in and uh, hits Goldberg with the stun gun so that MJF can win? <sighs> Kevin, Nash, um, I guess <laughs> Jericho. Yeah. Sammy Guevara. Sorry, <laughs> I, do it. I, don't, I don't know how else MJF wins. The ring to the face isn't going to be enough. We know Goldberg just pounds mm. his fucking head into a locker before he goes out there. God. I mean, if you could get him for a couple events, that's the way I would do it. I mean, if you can just convince him at all, then do do him versus MJF in Wembley. I The only way I wouldn't do him versus MJF is if he's not willing to lose, which I would get if he's coming in for one match and it's a showcase thing. But here's the thing. Okay, if we're doing Wembley this year, there's no way they're doing Israel this calendar year. Like, If you're going to do an Israel show, that's that's 24. Yeah, and things are getting hot over there right now, too. So that's the problem with Israel. I don't know if there's ever going to be a time where, oh, I mean, you got WWE going to Saudi Arabia. It's not an active war zone, but, you know. I mean, and maybe in lieu of that, you just do it at Arthur Ashe, New York. You know? Or the Georgia Dome. Actually, it'll be rad. The Georgia Dome. It'd be really cool to see Goldberg in the Georgia Dome. That would be rad as fuck. This is what's cool about AEW is even if this thing doesn't seem like it would make business sense, Tony Khan's just willing to do stuff that sounds cool. Well, and it does make sense for them, and they need as many eyeballs as they can get, right? If if your whole thing with AEW is we've got a superior product, then you need to convince people to... You, you need to get mainstream viewers, lapsed viewers, to watch the product... And get drawn in by the uh, surrounding matches, right? No, I agree. I, for the Goldberg thing, that makes sense. It's a good business decision. But in terms of like, if they were to run the Georgia Dome, like I don't know that that's necessary for them. But I would believe that they would do it for the fact that that would be awesome. Like they would just make it work. And I think that's ultimately why they're running Wembley. Is just, yeah, they wanted to go to London and. Even if it's a little bit more money, fuck it. Let's just run Wembley because of how big that sounds. Also, they're basically cucking WWE because there's been rumors that they're going to run Wembley eventually. They're kind of building up to potentially doing WrestleMania in Wembley. And AEW is just like, well, well, we're going to run a pay-per-view first. So there's a couple things with Wembley. One, it's no longer the premier uh, venue in London. They've actually built 
um, I, I, I can't remember the name of the stadium now, but the Tottenham uh, Spurs have like a state-of-the-art football arena there that sort of has supplanted Wembley. Um, so I, my guess would be if WWE actually did WrestleMania in London, it would be in the Spurs stadium and not in Wembley. That's just a sidebar, though. I think that are we all in agreement, I guess point number two, that uh, if AEW is doing this, it's got to be on the back of somebody who's actually a star. So nobody who's on their current roster. <laughs> like there has to be some sort of external force like a punk or a Goldberg to like make this work. Or are we just saying it works just because it's cool and it doesn't matter? Because I think it doesn't work if they can only put fans in half one side of the stadium. And so they only film one side and they cut off like the top level. It's like, okay, well, you know, that's not cool. If what, you're going to you do like Wembley and you can't SummerSlam do a pan around. I mean, SummerSlam, like every year that they've been trying to run like baseball fields for it. Yeah. Like last year, they legit only sold half the stadium. But it's different with WWE because every year they fill a football stadium. They do fill football stadiums once, maybe twice a year. Right. That's true. But the problem is, or the point I'm making is they do it enough to where it doesn't, the optics aren't as bad. I think it would make AEW feel very small time to. This is not like a WrestleMania kind of risk taking, like WrestleMania one kind of risk taking, but it is sort of like. It is kind of like the original all in. Like if you fuck this up, it's going to look really bad. And it's going to feel like a setback for the organization. They said this is all in. This is the first time they've actually They are calling it all in. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, But yeah, I do think that it cucks WWE a little bit, but I don't believe they would do Wembley if they were doing WrestleMania. So take that for what it's worth. I mean, you're probably right. I don't think that they would, but... I think it's sort of the historic nature of Wembley. Yeah. But I mean, it'd be like them going right, to the Pontiac Silverdome. It's like, well, why would you do that? You got Ford's <laughs> Field. You can't sense. go to the Silverdome. It's it's currently an Amazon uh, warehouse. But you, you get what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And actually, aren't they going to do Ford's Field for WrestleMania soon? Uh, no, Ford Field is uh, SummerSlam this year. Oh. Yeah. Oh, they'll be filling half of that too, huh? Yeah. Damn. Oh, yeah. Um, so let me run this by you. So there's a guy on Facebook called the angry wrestling vet. He's been around for at least a decade plus, And he always posts very old school, very Jim Cornette posts about things that workers should or shouldn't do. And da, 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 da. today he got people all riled up, um, to the point where like, I haven't seen any posts from this dude in years, but all the boys that I know, we're reposting his stuff because that's how riled up everyone's getting. <clears throat> so I'm going to read this to you and get your guys' opinions as uh, as the marks that he's talking about. Uh, he says, getting your pick with the vet in the locker room as a young worker is as marky as the dude paying 20 bucks to get their pick with them on the other side of the curtain. It's different if you're legit boys with the vet, but if this is your first time meeting the man, try not to be a fucking tool. 
Um, I've been a stunt and movie. I've been in the stunt and movie business for 15 years now. I've worked alongside and he name drops a bunch of fucking people. Do you think the director or my stunt coordinator would be okay with me being a fanboy on set to get a photo with a celebrity? The same is true with wrestling. Just because pro wrestling is a bastardized version of film and stunt, it somehow makes you think it's okay to, to be loose with things like that, that are common decorum for being on sets. And there's been a ton of feedback to this, mostly in the, hey dude, shut the fuck up. I kind of want to get you guys' thoughts as people who haven't been in the industry. What do you, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I'll, I'll, it's a, to me, it's as simple as just be cool, man. Don't be a fucking Mark. Like taking out being in a locker room or not, people are people. So it's always been weird to me to like go up to a celebrity and ask for a photo or an autograph or something. It's like, it's just a dude say hi, you know, whatever. So maybe I'm the wrong one to ask on this. I'm not like a go up to celebrities kind of person. Yeah. So I have experience with this. Unless it's like an autograph signing or something. Well, that's totally different. You're paying for that. Yeah. Here's the thing. Well, and when I first got in the business, we were told just taking pictures amongst ourselves was kind of being a mark. Like if me and one of my buddies who was like a local indie guy, we're taking pictures of ourselves, like selfies backstage. That could be considered being marks for ourselves. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, that's a bit fucking extreme. Yeah, that's different. That's and different. I get it. If you bring in, like, we brought in Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick's one of the first big names that we brought in back in the day. And a bunch of people wanted to get pictures with him. And I remember we kind of had a discussion before he showed up of like, hey, don't, don't be a fucking mark, guys. But once he got there, he was cool as shit with everybody. And he was encouraging us to take pictures with him. Um, And then, you know, the next time we had a big name talent in, it was the same way. It was Funaki. He was totally cool. Right? Uh, Yoshitatsu. We had X-Pac. But you do agree there's a difference when... Like that, that's kind of my whole point is be cool. And if someone, mm-hmm. you know, is like, Hey, you want to take a picture? That's different. Um, right. I just think initiating that is I don't yeah, know, like, cringy. I mean, here's the thing. It's not like, you know, I'm going to run up to like we had called Cabana. Um, none of us were running up and be like, Hey, cool. Can we get a picture with you? You know, but it was <sighs> when you're back there and you're in that scenario, and you just got done working a show with with the person, whether you were involved with the match with them or not. There's a, a level of camaraderie that you all have. If we just did, you know, hey, we did it. We did the show. Da, 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 da. You know, and you go up to a guy and you go, hey, man, is it cool if I grab a picture with you real quick? And sometimes, and I've never seen this, but I would imagine that sometimes the guy would be like, hey, you know, I don't want to do that. Cool. Be cool about it. Whatever. But this whole notion of telling wrestlers, don't get pictures with the vets that come in. Like, don't even ask them. Don't Just don't do it. It's kind of bullshit. So, like, uh, Matt Cardona has said on his podcast that he regrets not getting um, pictures with some guys. They were talking about when uh, Scott Hall passed, that he was so thankful that at WrestleMania, 
backstage when he won the IC title that he took a picture with Scott, him and the IC title together. Because and he said he's you know I I in my head I heard all that advice that I had been given of don't be a fucking mark and he goes no I was a fucking mark and I was like Scott can I take a picture with you and Scott was super cool about it da 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 he goes and I'm glad that I did because we lost Scott a few years later and but there's a personal relationship there even if it's you know they're both intercontinental champions so there is sort of a I think it's different if there, there's a personal relationship of any kind. Sure. But in, in wrestling, there's, there's a level of brotherhood of kinship that you have with everybody that's there. Right now, granted, if, if you've got fucking Hulk Hogan walking in the locker room at an indie show, which I don't know why he would be, it's a little different, but and again, if I was backstage at Raw somehow and I saw Undertaker, I'm not going to like, oh, hey, Taker, can I get a picture with you? Like, okay. I'm fucking weird. There's there's still a level of I th- of decorum as far as hierarchy, I think. But... I, but it feels like what you're saying, though, is in the scenario of uh, your experience, there is a bit of a personal relationship there. It's like we're putting on this show together... It, it would be different if you were at AEW as like some sort of just backstage guy, right? You're talking about a small yes. event where everybody's like pitching in together. Yes. So yeah, if 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 I was an indie guy and I got booked one night on an AEW show, right? I'm not going to go around backstage taking pictures with everybody. That'd be that would be overstepping the line because I'm not part of that locker room. But if I worked a match with, say I worked a match with MJF, right? I would ask to take a picture with him after the fact. Yeah, you worked a match with him. Right. There's a level of, of that that I think is acceptable. And I don't think it's about being a mark. I no. think it's a level of just respect. Like, Well, it's a it's human kind of, thing too, right? It's like, you know, yeah. be a human. Let's have an interaction first. And then yes. maybe you can ask for a picture, right? Right. Don't just be like, let me get a fucking picture. If I'm backstage and I'm hanging out with uh, fucking Jimmy Jacobs all night in the show, because he's backstage, right? And at the end of the night, and we're all parting ways, I'm like, oh, hey, is it cool if I grab a, a selfie with you real quick? Right? Totally fine. But if I have had no interactions with him all day, and then all of a sudden I'm just like, hey, man, let me get a picture with you. Like, it's a little different. And that's all I'm saying is that people, wrestlers included, that we're all human. So, you know, just put yourself in the shoes of a stranger comes up to you and is like, let me take a picture with you. It's probably pretty weird. Yeah. So that, that, that's, I guess, where I'm at is I would just never lead with something like that. I, I would only want to take a picture with someone I've got some sort of relationship with, even if it's just a you know, we chatted for 10 minutes or something, but I don't know. Andrew, where are you at on the, you haven't said anything. Yeah. I feel like this is a personal preference thing. And I don't think that any wrestler should be kind of imposing a particular rule on the entire industry with this. Um, but I sort of get it. Like if I was a wrestler, I would be 
like I would have a hard time just like dealing with the constant of that all the time. And I think I wonder if the issue here is with the amount of people that they were approached that had a sense of entitlement to like get whatever they wanted because you know that there's going to be people like that. Um, you know, it's like a thing that they talk about with the airports of, you know, getting stuff shoved in your face to get signatures so they can sell shit and whatnot. So I can see how that, like the resentment sort of builds up over time where you're just like, I don't want fucking marks talking to me or looking at me or taking pictures with me. Um, now, like I, I met Xavier Woods very briefly, like a little over a year ago, uh, just at like a WWE event that they were hosting locally because they were hosting WrestleMania here. And I didn't even know what the, the event was supposed to be. I didn't even know that there was going to be wrestlers there. They kind of said like that there were going to be wrestlers there. And I was like, I don't know like what that means or who that would be. Um, and then I went there at the, the, whatever time I was supposed to go. And it was just like, Right as they were letting us in, they were like, hey, just so you know, Xavier Woods is here. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I just figured he would like, you know, be maybe like talking or, or like on like a podium or a stage, like doing stuff, cutting promos or whatnot, just like advertising and have like talking to a crowd more or less. But instead, he was just like standing in like a, a section and they like we were walking around and then I guess nobody was in line yet. So this like uh, official came up to me and was like, hey, do you want to meet Xavier Woods? And I was like. Okay, and then like I looked over and like he's seeing the official talking to me and Lindsay and he just goes like like waves and I'm like, I guess we should go over there and talk to him now (laughs) because he was just super nice about it. So we talked to him for like a minute or two and then he was like, do you want a picture? So like to me, that feels like the appropriate setting for that kind of thing to happen. But like if he was just getting off a flight or, you know, he's oh, getting ready no, backstage no. for like a match. It's like, just leave him alone. Like he's he's on the fucking job right then. And the job at that point is not to be an entertainer. So personally, that that the situation I was in with him is probably the only time I would ever ask a wrestler for a picture unless I had like a m- several minute conversation with somebody in a different capacity that maybe I would consider asking. So X-Pac tweeted this about this earlier earlier tonight. He said, dear up and coming pro wrestlers on the indie scene. I don't know who this guy is, but I couldn't disagree with this more. If we're ever on a show together or in any other setting, I'd love to take a picture with you signed happy wrestling vet, which totally makes sense by all accounts. X-Pac is a nice guy and you would expect him to do something. There's also like, I think the context that's being missed here is just, you know, introduce yourself, uh, you know, Tell them your, you know, pay your respects or whatever, and then allow whoever the person is to sort of dictate the relationship from there on out, right? Mm-hmm. If they start talking to you, then you can have a conversation. Maybe they'll offer to take a picture. Kind of read the fucking room, right? Right. I think the biggest thing is, for me, the act of asking to take a picture with somebody in the locker room doesn't make you a mark. But no. it's possible to be a mark about the situation, yes. and that's bad. Yes. Yeah, I think it's correlation, maybe, not causation. Uh, I guess we should introduce the show now that we're like 40 minutes in. Did you not do that? No, we never did. God damn it, Matt. (laughs) This is uh, such good shit. 
the wrestling podcast where the three of us, who are brothers, get together and talk about all the things that make professional wrestling such good shit. Well, now that we've gotten through that, it's time to wrap things up. Uh, please remember to like and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you uh, listen to us on. Follow us and like our stuff on Twitter and Facebook, Such Good Shit Pod. And email us, Such Good Shit Pal at gmail.com. Do we have any parting words? I wonder how many stars we could get at the Tokyo Dome. 18. That's what I was thinking.